McMurray State Farm Hotline and welcome in not only a friend of mine, but a fantasy sports professional and a dude that just flat out knows sports, Alex Vanover of Fox Sports. Eugene, thanks for taking some time for us on this Wednesday afternoon, Alex. Oh, I couldn't think of anything better to do, man. Well, you Thanks not, for having me. Oh, could not be more proud to have you on here. You and I had some fun up there in Eugene, got a really good chance to know one another. And I am very particular about the people that I will listen to talk about sports or that I will, you know, take their take their thoughts into consideration. And you and I, we really bonded. We were on the same page on a lot of stuff. So really happy to have you on here today and uh, definitely appreciate your time. We're going to talk some MLB at the back end of this, but you are as dialed into the NBA as anybody that I know, to be completely honest. And so last night, Russell Westbrook turned in one of the craziest games of all time. Talk to us about that 20-20-20 triple-double from the Russell Westbrook. Uh, 20-20-20 is kind of unheard of. Uh, I, so there was a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, buzz going around that uh, he did that for the rapper Nipsey, who was, uh, who was killed earlier this week. And uh, he was getting a lot of flack for uh, you know, kind of staying in the game during garbage time to get those last two rebounds. But, you know, when you get a chance to do something like that, that'll cement your name in, in the record books forever, I just I think you got to go for it. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he, he's such a crazy talent that I think he doesn't he's – so, he's so great that I, I think people just come to expect it. So I think um, he has to do something, like, astronomical, like last night, to even get any buzz. It's, it, it's, he's so good, people just – it's just, you know, another day for him. I think one last of, night was something out of this world. I think one of the things is he's so polarizing. So many people love to hate on him. You know what I mean? I think that's part of it, that he's got such yeah. a such an abrasive personality and he can be kind of that way on the court as well. Some people will look for anything they can to kind of, you know, knock on Russell Westbrook. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that. But, you know, I I think that I, I kind of respect him because he'll he'll say exactly what he's feeling. He's, he, there's no sugarcoating anything. Um, you know, him and Damian Lillard, and, you know, when they play each other, they just go at each other. They talk mad smack to each other. And I think it ups each other's game. It's better to watch. It's better for TV. It's better for, for everything. I mean, he just does, you know, when he got into that altercation with the fans in Utah, I mean, he was just calling it like he saw it. And, yeah. you know, not a lot of guys would do that. But, you know, sometimes you have to defend yourself. You, know, I, you can't be PC all the time if someone's attacking you. Talking you know, whether you're, you know. Talking to Alex Vanover, Fox Sports Eugene joining us on the Paul McMurray State Farm Hotline. If you guys have any questions for Alex about the NBA or Major League Baseball, maybe some fantasy talk, 318-595-1007. That's the Randolph Smith with Rialta text line. You can get that to us, and we'll ask Alex some questions here. Alex, what's one storyline in particular that you're following here at the back end of this NBA season? Uh, I've been paying close attention. Well, I mean, I'm from the West Coast, so I've been paying really close attention to uh, the Portland Trailblazers. I've been monitoring Ennis Cantor uh, quite a bit, uh, especially with Nurt going down. So, I mean, that's a huge issue over here. You know, are the Blazers going to make out of the first round? You know, last year they played New Orleans, and uh, it was just a horrible matchup. And I, I believe Portland had home court advantage, and then the Pelicans just took it to them. So a lot of us are, are kind of scared that we're going to have another, uh, you know, on the West Coast are scared that we're going to have another matchup like that and just get destroyed. So we kind of got to, you know, see what we've got. So that's a big thing. Uh, seeding. You know where you know where the Spurs going to end up? Could they potentially beat you know a first or second round? You know you know first or second seed. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Well, where's Zion going to go? Tons of stuff. Well, let's talk about the Portland Trailblazers real quick because I think 
Look, this team was clicking on all cylinders before Yusuf Nurkic broke his leg, and that was a, I mean, just a devastating of an injury as you could possibly imagine. Brutal. Paul George esque, you know, Gordon Hayward. It's one of those that stick in your mind for a long time. I was watching the game live, mm -hmm. and I just, my girlfriend and I both were just cringing, you know, watching it back. Um, Yusuf Nurkic meant a lot to this team. He's, in my opinion, he was their second best player. I know a lot of people would probably have C.J. McCollum as the second best player, but Nurk did so many different things for this team that the Trailblazers had been missing before he became a part of this squad. You can play inside out with him. He can beat you on the low post. He's great in the pick and roll. His ability to pass you know, out of the low post and the high post is really incredible. And he allowed Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum to run off screens, right? To play more without the basketball yeah. because they could play with uh, without Nurk. This has to be one of the biggest blows to any team in the NBA is for the Portland Trailblazers to lose Yusuf Nurkic. I think so. The thing is, in Portland, they have a history of big men having just grotesque injuries. Uh, you know, Odin had his you know history of uh, problems. Sam Bowie, when they drafted him in the '80s over Michael Jordan, he immediately broke his fibula. Uh, uh, Nurkic is you know had his issues. Even Arvidas Sabonis, uh, when he was there in the '90s and 2000s, I mean, he had a lot of back issues. He had to have treatment before he could even get on the court. But I mean, you know, he stayed in Europe for you know 15 years after we dra after we drafted him. So that might have had something to do with it, but. Um, without Nurk, uh, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Damian Lillard, and a lot of NBA teams um, tend not to bring out a lot of their defensive, uh, you know, repertoire until the playoffs. So, I mean, they might be trapping Lillard the whole game. You know, he might he might not have been trapped the entire season by certain teams just because they don't want to unleash that until the playoffs. So, a lot of things uh, come to light in the playoffs. So, that's a huge thing to monitor because Nurk could have took took some of the heat off him. Yeah, I completely agree. I just think losing Nurkic is as big of a blow to any team in the NBA. Maybe not like losing a Kevin Durant or, you know, something along those mm -hmm. lines. But when you're talking about a team that was poised to make a playoff run, a guy that was a huge catalyst for what they do on the offensive and defensive end of the court, uh, losing Nurk just felt like a real big blow to this Blazers team. Well, Alex, I want to ask you, we kind of had this debate on here the other day, and I want to get your, uh, your take on it. Who is the best player in the NBA right now. I said it was Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think it's really, I just think everything that he does, I think he's going to be the MVP this year. I know Harden's amazing season has been, you know, incredibly tough to overlook. But for me right now, the most complete player and the best player in the league is Giannis Antetokounmpo. What would your, be, what would your answer be to that question? I would, okay, so I'm going to say Harden, but I think Giannis is a definite close second. The problem with Giannis is he doesn't have uh, a jump shot or a mid like a mid-range game that's going to take time to develop. As far as like pure physical ability and just dominance, he is the closest thing to Shaq that we've seen in ten years. I mean, he's absolutely a beast. Uh, Harden, the thing that stands out to me, uh, MVP isn't necessarily the best player in the NBA. MVP is usually the most valuable to their team. So when Chris Paul and Eric Gordon and uh, Clint Capella were all down to early to start the season for the Rockets. You know, they were 11-14 and 14 or 11-15. and 15. Harden went on that insane run where he was scoring 40 to 50 points every night. They were winning close games every night. They're on pace for 54 wins. I have a really hard time thinking James Harden isn't the MVP. And he, he just has a chip on his shoulder. He wants to validate what happened, you know, his MVP last year. But Anthony Copo is right there. But I think, I think it's 1A and 1B. Right now, you have Vegas. Uh, the The pretty heavy favorite is Giannis, I, and I'll tell you the reason I think it's that way is because the the Bucks are the number one team in the Eastern Conference, and then they all, and a lot of times these voters 
view wins is a really big part of it. I'm not saying that the Rockets haven't had an amazing season. I mean, they're like you mentioned, yeah. they're probably going to win 54 games. But I think the fact that Milwaukee has become the best team in the Eastern Conference is kind of the deciding factor here. And Vegas actually has Giannis as a pretty heavy favorite to win this year's MVP. It would be the first MVP ever for the Greek Freak. You know, one of the things I love about him is he can catch the basketball at half court and take four steps and dunk on you. Like the, we've never seen a player, <laughs> we've never we've never seen a player in the game That's that can do insane. that. You know, I think the only yeah. other player kind of comparable to that is Kevin Durant because he's a seven footer with incredible dribble that can shoot off, you know, shoot on a dime and whatnot. But I think Giannis, and the craziest thing, Alex. He's, what, 23 years old? He's only going to continue to get better and better and better. This dude has a chance to be the face of the NBA for a while, in my opinion. Yeah, I think – well, and I think that he gets um, not as much credit as he should because he's not – like, he wasn't born in the United States. I think yeah, there's kind of a little bit of a language barrier there, so I think a lot of casual fans have a hard time uh, relating to him. But I don't think that should come into play at all because basketball is a worldwide sport now. Uh, it's not just an American thing. Uh, you definitely saw that with the Olympics when, you know, we had to retool in like 2008, uh, a lot of, a lot of big changes, but you know, he is a very special talent and some of his dunks, uh, from a big man remind me of Sean Kemp in the early nineties. I mean, just, he's doing incredible stuff. He's a, he's a really good player. He's a major talent. Let's go to the Randolph Smith with Rialta text line, 318-595-1007. Uh, this question comes in from Randy. says, uh, who do you think is the biggest threat to the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference? In the, in the West? Yeah, in the uh, West in particular. I would, I would say the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Uh, last, last season, uh, the Houston Rockets took them to seven games. And, I, you know, they had them on the ropes in game six before Chris Paul went down with that injury. And I think that... They're fast-paced, they're hungry, they're ready to, to take that leap. And I think the Warriors have been playing pretty uh, complacent uh, mm-hmm. recently, and they were, they're so distracted with this referee nonsense. And where's Kevin Durant going to go next season? Does he want to go to New York? They've got all these outside influences. Draymond and you know, Durant don't get, you know, get along. Um, I think that they're bored. They remind me of the Lakers in the early 2000s. I mean, it's just like they don't turn anything on until the playoffs. But the problem is, they have, you know, Boogie Cousins, who would be great in any other situation. But when he's on the floor, he takes away so many shots. Anytime Boogie takes a shot or has the ball in his hands, that's great. But he's taking away opportunities from Clay and Steph and Durant. So it's like it's almost counterproductive. Yeah, it almost feels like they may have too many stars. Last night, though, they flipped the switch. They beat the Nuggets 116-102. to 102, And this has kind of been my opinion on the Warriors. If they don't respect you, you have a chance to beat them. If they respect you, they're going to show up that, that night and they're going to beat you pretty good. And that's exactly what they did to Denver last night. It feels like, to me, they're probably going to flip the switch. They'll be an incredibly tough out. Um, I, I really do believe that. Uh, Colt coming in here on the text line, he says, Have y'all discussed the 2020 that Westbrook dropped last night? Yeah, Colt. We were talking about it just a minute ago. And... We can kind of trace back to it here uh, as Colt brings this up. For those of you that might just be jumping in your car and you don't know what happened last night with Russell Westbrook, he turned in a 20-point, 20-rebound, and 20-assist performance against the Los Angeles Lakers in their 119-103 win. It's just there are very few players in the NBA that can even turn in a 2020 game. And Russell Westbrook, his the completeness to his game, while he does struggle to shoot the basketball, there's no doubt about that. I don't think anybody's doubting his shot-making ability. Um... There's just not there's not really anyone else that you could see dropping a 2020 game like this. Uh, well, as far as, I mean, maybe Giannis goes 2020, but he, yeah, he's not getting the assist. Uh, Giannis could, 
But the problem is the Bucks are, are you know, in games, he's, he's setting the whole fourth because they're already up by 30. So he's not in there long enough to even, you know, main, you know to accrue the stats. Uh, Chris Paul, maybe in his heyday, could have done it. Uh, you know, he gets a lot of rebounds, uh, a lot of assists, but he's, you know, he's 34 years old now. Uh, Harden could probably do it, but he would literally have to play 48 minutes. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is just a freak. He's a stud. It's unbelievable. And he was playing with extra motivation. I mean, he he had something to prove last night. He was playing for Nipsey. Yeah, Colt continues on. Three straight seasons averaging a triple-double, and it's not even getting talked about. Are we, and I do agree with you there, Colt, on the take comes in on the Randolph Smith with Rialta text line at 318-595-1007. I think part of it is because even when Russell Westbrook is turning in these incredible triple-doubles, Oklahoma City can still find a way to lose games because he has poor shooting percentages. And look, Oklahoma City's now fallen all the way down to the eight seed, which is great for us because if we get a Golden State Oklahoma City first round, that is incredible television. Yeah. That is must-watch television. KD going up against Russ, like you just have to be a part of that. You absolutely must see it. Is do you believe that averaging a triple double is that overrated, or should we be giving that a little more love than we do? I think. Well, I mean, I, I said it earlier. I think that we it should get more love than it does because it's extremely rare. Yeah, I mean, he's going to do it for the second season in a third, row. Third, third straight. It's going to be three straight. Oh, is it a third? Okay. Yeah. So when he won, so when he won the MVP, it was like, oh my goodness, he averaged a triple double. The, the last person to do this was the Big O, you know, forty years ago. The problem is he's so good and so great at what he does. You, you, it's like when Michael Jordan was playing in the eighties and nineties. Every year, arguably, he could have been the MVP. The problem is he was so great. People, it was old hat. So if a guy like. Uh, you know, you know, Carl Malone or David Robinson had an amazing year. They'd give him the the MVP. But the problem is, Jordan would get upset and see that he didn't get the MVP, and he would crush you in the playoffs. Russell Westbrook is kind of in that same vein. Uh, if Russell had a few more supporting cast members, they would be a dangerous team. The problem is when him and Paul George aren't actually in the game. Stephen Adams can't control the load, yeah. and Dennis Schroeder is so erratic. Uh, you have no idea what you're going to get from him. He could be the best player on the court any night, or he could be the worst. Yeah, I completely agree with Help. you there. The, the, the second part of their, uh, the back end of their bench is just not very good. They're going to have to really, it's awful. they're going to have to cut down their rotation and probably run out eight guys once they get into the playoffs. And a lot of NBA teams do that, but Oklahoma City in particular, they're just not very deep on their bench. But I'll tell you what I'm pulling for, because I think it'd be great for basketball, is to get that first round Golden State-Oklahoma City matchup. Uh, as a basketball fan, I would be incredibly thrilled about that. Alex, we're going to have to wrap this thing up in just a second, but before we get out of here, I want to talk just a little bit of baseball with you. We'll try and try and get to a couple things here. Um, All right. Let's start with Bryce Harper, because, I mean, I just think he's the best storyline going in baseball right now. It's almost impossible not to talk Major League Baseball and not bring up the Bryce Harper thing. Uh, are you as excited and as thrilled by the start to the season for the Philadelphia Phillies and Bryce as I am? Because I find it to be great for the game of baseball. I think it is. Uh, what was really interesting last night when I was watching that Phillies game against the Nationals, it was it almost made Game Six or Game Five of the regular season feel like the playoffs. I mean, every at bat was super important, and Max Scherzer had begged you know his manager to to get bumped up in the rotation to pitch against Bryce Harper. So when he struck out Harper last night, it, the crowd went insane. It was like a playoff atmosphere. Yeah. In April, it was unbelievable. He it, this whole thing is great for the game, and it's not it's not a bad thing. He, Bryce Harper has that to Chad Ochocinco vibe. He's 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 a villain, but he's not a bad person. So it's good. It, it, he creates discussion. He puts eyeballs on you know baseball as a whole. It, the whole thing is good. 
Yeah, good I for g- business, good for the game, good for fans. Yeah, great for me as well because I am absolutely loving seeing. It. I know a lot of our listeners have uh, have enjoyed it as well. And actually, one thing we should mention about that game. So just a moment ago, the Nationals were leading the Phillies eight to six in the top of the eighth. The Phillies got a tr- um, bases clearing triple out of. Um, Andrew McCutcheon to take the lead, and then Daniel Robertson actually, uh, and then in the bottom of the eighth, Sir Anthony Dominguez is in to save the game uh, or to close out the eighth inning. Has a little roller back to him, throws over to first base for the third out of the inning. Reese Hoskins bricks it, just completely drops the ball. Tying run comes around to score. Then we go to the bottom of the ninth, and da- uh, David Robertson checks in for the Phillies, proceeds to walk in the game-winning run, and so the Nationals walk off against the Phillies to get their the, to hand the Phillies their first loss of the season in very, very improbable fashion. It was a horrible showing by the Phillies at the end of that game. They have played great baseball up to this point, but that was a terrible, terrible finish. So my final question to you, do you have some concerns about David Robertson? Because I suddenly am starting to have a couple. Well, they have a bullpen by committee right now. Yeah. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. They've got you know Robertson. They've got a couple other guys. Um, they're not going to decide. They're not going to decide who the actual closer is uh, probably until you know two or three weeks from now. So I think they're just kind of feeling out what they have. But yes, if he is doing those sorts of things this early in the season, it is concerning because if you have that prolific of an offense, you want to be able to. You know, if you're up 8-2, 8-3 going to the 8th or ninth, you want to be able to have some confidence that you're going to be able to close the game out. Uh, and if you don't, I mean, that's going to change the way the whole game is called. So yeah. they definitely need to address the, the situation and get him straightened 